our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Howdy. Hey, Sonia. How are you? I am fab. How are you? I am great. How has your week been? Tell me about it. Tell me your highs. Tell me your lows. I want to hear it all. I've actually had a really good week. I've been upbeat for like seven days straight. You know, I haven't spiraled. I haven't gone through like a cycle. I've had a good week. I think it's because I've really tried to be out and about in Toronto and like the leaves are pretty, the city's pretty. It's just recently been Diwali and like, I don't know, good vibes, good vibes. Can't complain about too much. How about you? Would you say you're an autumn girl? Yeah, I'm an autumn winter girl, but I don't know if I'm Toronto winter. Honestly, I've seen you like in my head just being an autumn girl. Like wherever there's leaves, I like just imagine you under a tree just being like, look. I feel like that's a compliment, but only you can make it seem like (laughs) that there's a problem with it. It's a compliment. (laughs) Did you say you weren't looking forward to the Toronto winter? I don't know. I think people are pretty intense about winter here. Like every person that you meet, they kind of give you like a winter warning. And I'm someone who it like it's nearly November and I still don't have like a winter coat. I don't have winter shoes. Like I will get one and I know I need to get one and I fully believe that it's going to be super cold and it's going to be snowy. Like I have no reason not to believe these people being intense about it, but I just feel like I'm chilling. I feel like when it starts to actually get cold, you'll just be like, oh, fair enough. And then you'll go buy a coat. Like I can't imagine that it's too difficult for you. It's just like, why bring home a big heavy coat that you won't use for at least another month. Well, on the topic of preparing for the future, for you it's a winter coat, but for some people it's investing for their children. We've had people wanting to know how to invest sometimes for their own children, sometimes for the children in their lives, because generational wealth is not a topic that I feel like we get taught. Like, I don't think anyone's ever sat down to us at least and been like, hey, do you want to make sure that you have enough money for yourself and your family in the future? Like this is what you do. The other thing with generational wealth that I don't think a lot of people realize, but most wealth actually ends up getting lost within a generation. About 70% of wealth in families is lost within a single generation and then 90% is lost within the second generation. So if we set up things for our children, there's a chance that 70% of what we set up gets lost and then 
our grandchildren will have lost 90% of it. So on one hand, you know, we want to talk about how to grow wealth within your family and how to invest for your children, but also how to safeguard it and make sure that they're taken care of and it's not, I don't know, wasted away. But first things first, why should we invest for our children? I feel like it's such a deep question. I think every parent has different reasons for why they want to invest for their kid and save for their kid. Like a lot of people, I think it's super common, especially in America, to set up a college fund or a savings account as soon as the kid is born. So by the time that they're 18, at least they have like this nest of money and they don't really have to pay for school because school is expensive in America. And I think every country has their own version of that almost, even if you don't necessarily need to pay for college, so to speak. I think full disclaimer, neither Sim or I have children. In terms of why you would want to invest for kids, we've talked about inflation enough. Like honestly, take a shot every single time that Sonia or Sim talk about inflation or mention inflation in the episode. You can definitely put your money in a savings account and let that build over the next 18 years and give it to your child at 18. But the thing that we're looking for is how your money can make money, which is through investing and through compound interest. Plus, we always talk about it's like time in the market. Imagine like being born and having an investing account and like at 18, (laughs) you get like handed your stock portfolio. I can only imagine even the stories that we hear of people DMing us and messaging us and coming up to us at events. They're like, my 10-year-old has bought Girls That Invest and you know, this is what they're reading. My 12-year-old is so interested in stocks. I'm like, bro, I didn't even think about money. until I started working at 15, 16. And even then, I don't think I consciously like thought about like the stock market and where my money was going. So these kids, they're more alert. When we were 10, we were fighting over our Bratz dolls together. It's a different time. Isn't it crazy? I do feel like with wealth, there are different ways to generate wealth and generate generational wealth, right? And I think for me, one of the most important things, if I do have children, um, definitely like with my cousins and with my friends' babies, like I really want to take them on an education journey with investing with their portfolio. Like this is what I'm putting money into. This is how it works. And obviously for each age group, there's ways to teach them things that will make sense to them. It's not just about putting your money into the stock market or creating an investing portfolio for your kids. It's really about taking them on that education journey as well. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like this is just like a no-brainer, but the ability to do things that maybe our parents were able to do when it came to generational wealth or just building their own money, that was so different compared to what we could do. And it's going to be even harder for our children. I feel like as populations grow and as you know things get harder to do and house prices get more expensive, but like living costs are also more expensive, but then wages don't increase to the same amount. Like back in the day, it felt like You could work any kind of job and save up for a home and go to college and all of that. Whereas now, if you don't have financial help from your parents, you really have to be like an anomaly to be able to do those things. And I think it's such a, first of all, like having a child, there's such immense pressure that comes with it. And you, I imagine like you don't really know if you're making the right decision or right call, but you can only do the best you know how with this information that we have at the time. So my heart goes out to all parents that have to think about all this and then some. I hope 
this episode is helpful for expecting parents and maybe parents who are like thinking about investing for their kids as well because it's not an easy decision. So I just want to put that out there. Oh, absolutely. Now, when we get into how to invest for your children, I think it is worth noting that if you're listening in and you're like, hey, I don't actually have the capital. I don't have the money right now to do these things. I think it's just still worth knowing that they exist. And if you can't pass down, you know, capital to your children, you can still pass down financial literacy. And I think we've seen a lot of that in our own lives and the lives around us. You may not have the money to do it, but if you have the education to pass on, that's still just as valuable. So if you're sitting here and you do have a little bit of money and you go, okay, like let's get started. How do I invest for my child? There's basically four ways that you can do this. And I want to break them down. But first I want to mention that you've got to know what timeline you're after and what your risk tolerance is. If you're trying to invest for your child's college fund, you're going to need that money sooner than if you're trying to invest for a home for them. They're probably not going to need a house at 18. They might be looking at a house at 20 or 30 or you know maybe a little bit longer down the track a lot of south asian parents will actually save up and invest for their children's weddings and as we know weddings are kind of getting pushed out further and further away so just one be aware of what the timeline is then you've got to know your risk tolerance which is can i handle my child's portfolio going up and down a lot or a little bit or not too much When it comes to children, though, because you've got a longer timeline, you can usually take on more risk and invest in ways that are like a little bit more, you know, fun and fresh, a little bit more crazy than if you were investing for yourself and you needed that money in 10 years. So the first type of way to invest, which is probably the most simplest, is a retirement account in your country. Sonia, do you remember when your dad set up your KiwiSaver with you? It wasn't really a process of setting it up with me. It was more so he was like, I got my first job and he was like, okay, you know, you need to set up KiwiSaver. And I was like, okay, I'll do what you say because, you know, you're kind of smart. I had a very similar experience. We went to the bank. We like sat down. I still recall the guy that was like, serving us and kind of helping us and he I just remember it wasn't my parents that were like this is what you're doing it was like the guy at the bank that was like this is what you're doing this is how you invest or not even this is how you invest (laughs) this is what you're doing and he did put me in the right account like I'll give him that he put me in a growth fund and he was like as you get older it will naturally like this fund will start to drop down in aggression so that as you get older like your life goals change and you know it doesn't have to be as risky so it was the right fund for me but I just didn't feel like I understood what he was saying and I didn't feel like I could ask him questions so in this process when you're setting up a retirement account for your child the benefit of setting one up is of course You get to pour a little bit of money in. A lot of countries, governments, especially New Zealand and Australia, will match some of that money. Some of them even give you a Kickstarter. Like if you make an account with us for your child, we'll give you $1,000 or $200. So there's benefits to it. It goes into an investment and it can compound over time. But make sure your child feels like they're in the process of it and make sure to choose someone within the bank that doesn't scare your child because this is probably the first time they're ever going to be going to the bank for themselves. You don't want them to be so scared that they never go back. I also think that people at the bank, they need to know who they're speaking to and they need to adjust their language when doing so. I think for me, personally, I've been in all customer service jobs. So this is a basic part of customer service in terms of how you speak to someone. But if you're 
client has brought their 16 year old child, like take the time to educate them, speak simply, use some examples that they'll understand, acknowledge, you know, the fear or, you know, potentially the overwhelm they might be feeling because that creates a safe environment for, you know, your teenager to ask questions. Because I think it's easy to be like, easy to see I guess that experience is very transactional and clinical. Like you might have like 10, 20, 30 people that you speak to every day. So I do acknowledge that. But at the same time, like you could literally be changing this person's life in terms of how they approach financial literacy, how they approach, you know, their KiwiSaver and their financial education. Because ideally, yeah, we would live in a world where kids are taught this in schools, but they're not. Hopefully by the time we have children and by the time they grow up, they are, you know, exposed to that in school. But for a lot of people, you and I included, our first experience with all of that was our parents taking us to a bank and us staying quiet. I think another thing that really helps is making sure that you're showing the kind of behavior that you'd want your child to emit in a bank. So things like you asking questions and you being like, hey, sorry, can you explain that again? Or why is this the right product for us? Kids also learn more from not being told what to do, but seeing what their parents do. And so if you push yourself out there and if you make sure that you're being very inquisitive and very like, hey, that didn't make sense and admitting that in a bank and making sure that that information is, you know, relayed in a way that makes sense, that's going to also really help the way that your child interacts in banks because they're like, oh, mum or dad always, you know, make sure that they're asking questions. So it's not weird if I do. The second kind of way to invest for your children is setting up a joint investment account. And you can do this in any country. A joint brokerage account or investment account is something that you can do from, well, a brokerage. So we're talking things like sharesies, we're talking things like Robinhood, things like Fidelity, Acorns, wherever you live in the world. Most of the time, rather than just investing in a account that is for yourself, which, you know, me and Sonia do, we can now go and set up a second account where it's like Sim and her child or Sonia and her child. You can also set them up with partners. You can set them up with business owners, even unmarried partners. You don't have to just do this with children. It's not children specific, but it allows you to have someone sit on that account and you're making the investment decisions for them. And you can set up a trust where you can then decide, well, hey, when my child turns 18, I hand over the reins of this account. They're the trustee. And that is the easiest way that most people invest for children. Some of them even let you monitor activity, like Fidelity will let you say, okay, when your child turns 18, you can hand over the account. And if you want, you can still kind of monitor it. You don't get a say in it, but you can see if it's, you know, being completely pushed out. Now, there's also custodian accounts, and that's not something that is available in all countries. But in the US, the UTMA, which is the Uniform Transfer to Minors Act, is an account that invests in traditional assets like stocks and bonds and ETFs. But you've also got the UGMA, which is Uniform Gifts to Minors Act. And this lets you basically invest in the same way, but in alternative investments like properties and art and automobiles. Personally, I feel like I'd be kind of weirded out as a kid if it was like, your will is here, Sim, and I have a look and it's just like a piece of artwork. I would much prefer investments, but that's just me and my like lack of understanding with 
collectible art. There's also the 529 plans, which is another American specific account. You might be like, Sim, there's so many American ways of like making sure your kids are taken care of. You've also got to understand that Americans also pay some of the world's highest college fees. And so it makes sense that they need the most help. But what you can do with the 529 is that it's basically a tax smart way to invest for your children. So You're putting in money that is post-tax money, but when you pull that money out, you don't have to pay capital gains on that account. And if you're sitting in New Zealand listening to this, New Zealanders, we don't pay capital gains tax on any of our investments. So they've got something set up specifically for college funds. You could do the same in a sharesies or a hatch account and still not pay tax. Unfortunately, our country doesn't even do capital gains on homes or investments. So that sorts that out. And then we've got credit scores. And again, this is more specific to certain countries or certain groups of people. You can still do this in New Zealand and Australia and the UK. It just doesn't matter as much. But if you want to make sure that your children are set up financially, what you can do is put their name on a credit card that you get. And as you pay your bills monthly, your child ends up benefiting from a really strong credit score. And when it comes to the age where they are looking to buy a home or they're looking to get their first car and they may be wanting to take out a car loan if that's you know something that suits them they're set up to get the best interest rates because they have such good credit and they can negotiate better and it's so sad that you need to do this as a parent you need to like set up a credit card for your kid and then use that and then make sure that they're solid you know before they start college But at the end of the day, if you can, why not? See, there's so many different ways to do this. How do you pick the right one for you? Like, what if you start doing one and you're like, hey, I want to do this one. Can you just do all of them? I feel like you can do all of them. It comes down to, again, like, what's the one thing you want to help your kid with and what's your risk tolerance? Because, yeah, sure, we want to help our children with everything. Like, I would love to buy my future children a home and set up a retirement account for them and give them the best credit score. But if I can do even just one of these, like, I'm a great parent. And so your kids are going to be happy with you no matter what. In my personal opinion, if you know that buying a home is something you really want for your children and that that's going to be a harder goal for them compared to maybe getting a scholarship for university or maybe college fees aren't that crazy in New Zealand. You know, student loans are interest free. So it doesn't make sense to save up for that because they'd never pay interest on the loan that they have to pay anyway. So in my point of view, I would be helping them save up a deposit for a home. I feel like that's the thing that's going to get, I mean, it's hard right now, but it's going to get harder. See, okay, here's the thing. I just feel like as parents, you often probably feel super guilty with, you know, what you are able to do. And I think there's ways to educate your child and you can also educate them in a way that's not going to cost you anything. There's websites and apps that you can go on that you kind of have play money, so to speak, and you can teach them the process of investing, what it means, teach them how to read certain things, and then maybe when you're giving them pocket money or teaching them about other things like they can go do that for themselves rather than you know you doing it for them I just imagine that's not because like you don't want to do that it's because you're putting your money towards more immediate needs instead of for the future so yeah the fact that people are even thinking about this and that people are interested in this it just goes to show that they're amazing parents You don't have to give your kid billions or millions or a house for them to feel the love. Oh, absolutely. I still remember like my 
dad being like, oh, Simran, like, I'm so sorry. I don't have two houses to give, like, you know, one to you and one to your brother. And I'm like, that's not something we need. And that's not something we expected. And honestly, like, you've given us an education. Like, you moved us across to New Zealand. You let us have one home to grow up in. And that's been a lot. And that's helped us, you know, go to good public schools and, you know, go to university and live in a country where we don't have to worry about crippling debt from university. Like these are all things that have added to my life way more than being given a free house. I mean, I could have a free house, but be terrible with money and waste it away. And, you know, I would not have ended up in any better of a position. So it absolutely does not have to be financial. I think the financial literacy is probably the best gift you could give a child. I have had the privilege of meeting a lot of people in my life and some of them are trust fund babies and you know I don't think I'd want to be them. For business owners every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card it's the culmination of your hard work dedication and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing tap to pay on iPhone powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it, from local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple, increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. In all honesty, I, on the other hand, wouldn't mind. What a problem to have. Now, a lot of parents have asked us how to get their children or the younger siblings or like friends and family involved in investing when they're, you know, on the younger side, you know, let's say 15 and under. There's a few ways to do it. One is quite simple. We have a lot of people listen in to girls that invest with their children while they're driving. And that creates like a great way to have conversations with your children to be like, oh, like this is what Sim and Sonia said. Like, what do you think about that? But not everyone is interested. Not everyone has a car. Not everyone sits down and drives to school with their children. And if you're not driving, it's pretty difficult to get a child to sit with you and listen to a podcast for 30 minutes unless they're like, you know, forced to sit in a car with you. I find it really helpful to gamify things. I think I'm just the gamify queen. It helps me. I feel like it helps my inner child, but it is such a great way to get kids involved. And so what I like to do with the people in my life that are a little bit younger is I like to create things like investment bingo and I can share with you guys the resource if anyone's interested just DM us but you can create a on Canva just a little sheet that has different investment sectors and you can just get little dice or little cubes and then cover them off or circle them off 
as you create a portfolio with a child this does not have to be real money this does not have to be a real portfolio as Sonia's mentioned there's lots of those online investment apps that you can use where you can you know play with pretend money you can sit down with a child and go okay it let's choose a company why do you like this company okay we don't have anything in healthcare well what's a healthcare company that you want to invest in and once you get that concept down of diversification you can then take it to the next step and say hey this was a lot of effort trying to pick and choose all these companies what if we find a fund a basket that's filled with them and then you can start looking at baskets together and you can start looking at holdings and explain to them how that works you know hey here's a basket let's look and see what's in this basket do we like this basket yes or no why or why not it's all about having conversations and remembering that children are so smart they can pick up on these things i don't think there's a single investing concept that you could not explain to like a seven-year-old i'm really glad that you provided a little overview before going into how you can invest for your child in terms of there's a few things that you want to figure out before diving into it i think parents naturally do this but i think for the first step for me would be what is my kids learning style how do they learn best are they visual are they all Audio? Do they like to learn while doing things? Do they like to learn through experiences? Because I think there's an opportunity to gamify most things in life. And it's just about figuring out that balance before it tips over to I'm trying to gamify everything. Parents play any games with you when you were younger? Did they play games with me when I was younger? Like money games that in hindsight taught you like life skills. They taught me life skills just, I think, by doing things. Rather, I don't think they were the kind of people to be like, let's play a game together. But they were definitely the kinds of people that would be like, hey, we're going to go furniture shopping or car shopping. You should come with us. And then by observing them, they'd be like, hey, like we're just going to pay for this in cash. Can you offer a discount because we're you know, paying in cash. Like I would just watch them do things like that or kind of be like, oh, you have a credit card. Like, why do you have that? And they'd be like, oh, like for cash back, we don't use it for anything else. It's just like, it's just for the things that we need. They never played games with me, but they absolutely taught me through just them existing. And so if you don't have the time to sit down with your child on top of like a million other things, you can just get them to sit down with you. And when you're making your investment account or your investment decisions, just be like, hey, come over here, look at this website, look at this brokerage account. This is what it does. This is how I put my money in. This is how I set up my bank accounts. And that sometimes is you know, a game in itself. It's, it keeps them curious enough. Here's a question for you. Do you think that kids can be too young to learn about money? It's a little funny story. Both my parents ended up not working at the same time accidentally. So my dad had a job and my mom was like, oh, like, you know, he's earning. So let me take a step back. So she quit. And then the next week my dad lost his job and they were both like, oh, like neither of us are working. And I remember my mom coming up to me, I think I was around seven years old at the time. And she was like, Hey, just letting you know, like neither of us have jobs right now. Things are going to be a little bit tight around here. When we go to like the grocery store, I don't want you being like, Hey, I want this. I want this. Like, don't upset like your father. And I think it was the way she said it. it was so like calm. It was so peaceful. It made me feel like, okay, this is just something that happens as opposed to maybe catastrophizing it or making me really scared. So I think you can talk to kids about money at any age. It's just how are you doing it? What's the tone that you're using? And are you making it seem like this is going to be something forever or something that you're going through? I remember when we were doing like our Sticky Money Monday and we were talking about like retirement and like parents' retirement and how we navigate that. I, I think looking back, you know, 
with my money journey, I guess, in financial education. Like there are so many different parts of my life that feel fulfilled and cherished. And I feel like, you know, my parents like recently apologized for, I guess, their lack of what they did money-wise like to me. And I'm like, bro, I had the best childhood. I had the best time. Like throughout my teenage years and like the ability to go to them with like any question that I had and like the trust that I have in them, even now at my grown age, even at my brother's grown age, like we really still go back to our parents, talk to them every day. And obviously you're trying to help your kids the best that you know how, but you can't tick off every single box, no matter how hard you try. Do you know what I mean? I think this has been such a journey of an episode. We've deep dived into our childhoods. We've helped talk about ways to improve your future children or your current children's money but we've also spoken about I guess the like pressure that parents do have and by no means do I want anyone to listen to this and walk away being like damn like I haven't done this I haven't set up a custodian account for my child like if you are feeding your child and clothing your child and like giving your child shelter that's more than some parents and that's something that absolutely deserves a pat on the back so don't let this be something that makes you feel hard on yourself but at the same time even just having a conversation does more than um you even realize um but as always if you want more girls that invest you can follow us on instagram you can check out our facebook group you can find our newsletter down below and we'll see you next week and as always to finish off with our disclaimer Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team. Bye.